Pastor Allen is speaking today from the ninth chapter of uh, Proverbs, verses 1 through 12. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her animals. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest places in the town. You that are simple, turn in here. To those without sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer wins abuse. Whoever rebukes the wicked gets hurt. A scoffer who is rebuked will only hate you. The wise, when rebuked, will love you. Give instruction to the wise, and they will become wiser still. Teach the righteous, and they will gain in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me, your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So this is the fourth Sunday of Lent. And Lent is a season where we identify with Jesus when he is in, uh, as he's beginning his ministry. So before he starts his public ministry, if you remember the story, he, he is led into the desert by the Holy Spirit and he fasts for 40 days. So that's a long time, imagine that, 40 days. People have tried to do that since and haven't done very well pastor recently tried it a couple months back, actually passed away. That's a very demanding piece. Jesus fasts for 40 days, and while he's in the desert, he is tempted in a variety of ways, and one of the ways he's tempted is to turn stones into bread. Indeed, that's the first temptation. Makes sense. If you're starving, the devil comes along and says, hey, why don't you turn some of these bricks into bread and weigh stones into bread and where you go? Everybody be happy. To take control yourself, to just kind of manage your own way, that's, that's the way we often want to do it, and rather than trusting and depending on God. And Jesus responds with the statement, no, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So he says, no. Keep saying no. And then following that overcoming experience, he begins his public ministry. So it's, it's a big event in Jesus' life. So during Lent, then, we are to look to Christ as followers and try to imitate him, to be more like him. Of course, we can do that any day of the year, but in Lent, we particularly, in the liturgical calendar, try to focus on Christ and evaluate our lives in that way. So that's what we've been doing. And through each of these weeks, we've been focusing on bread themes or bread scriptures. 
And today is the last one we're going to do from Old Testament. Next week we'll start with some Gospels. But here we have a statement from the wisdom literature. So this is the book of Proverbs. And it's an ancient piece of literature. So we're looking 2,000 years back to Christ and at least 1,000 years before that. Wisdom literature. Every culture has some wisdom literature. I don't know. What's the wisdom literature of Canada? Maybe that's one of our problems. We don't have any wisdom literature. Other cultures have deep histories. And they have literature that they look to. And it has an imprint on their hearts and minds. As Christians, we have this ancient literature. New Testament, the Old Testament, we share in that. So we were invited to look to that and to read it, to make it part of our lives. To eat the bread. And so here in Proverbs chapter 9, we are invited to come and eat the bread. We're going to hear. And the bread is the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God stands for the presence of God. Wisdom. Interesting that wisdom is personified in the book of Proverbs. So if you go back to chapter 8, wisdom is seen as a person who is with God in the beginning of creation. There's a wonderful piece there in Proverbs chapter 8. God is bringing the world into creation and wisdom is there by his side as all of it is done. And and wisdom rejoices in this whole experience. You look at chapter 8, Proverbs. So in chapter 8, the cosmos is created and filled with the presence of God. In chapter 9, it's God's wisdom coming to humanity. To us. It's the same wisdom, but now the wisdom comes to us. And we are invited to come and know Him and walk in His wisdom. And the invitation is there. The question is, will we do it or not? And so that's where we're at, and that's where we're going with this piece. And I'm calling it Insight for Living, but it's it's the invitation to wisdom. So it's an invite for you today, no matter where you're at, whatever's going on. Will you live, as the scriptures say, wisely? Or do we just reject the whole thing? We'll give it a look. Here's the first few verses. So there's an invitation. Wisdom has built her house, and she has hewn her seven pillars. Remember, this is ancient literature. She has slaughtered her animals. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls them from the highest places in the town. It's interesting here just how many times the she, that personal pronoun, and wisdom here is featured as feminine, as a woman. Wisdom, she, 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 she keeps calling out. And so it begins by wisdom preparing for this great banquet and the invite for us. And so she builds her house, verse 1. And she builds it well. She builds it on rock. She builds it so it's got a solid foundation. Reminded of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. If you're going to build a house, build it on rock, not on sand. Here, wisdom builds its house properly. And we're noted that it has seven pillars of support. So why seven pillars of support? What is the ancient writer thinking about when she says this about wisdom? Seven pillars. 
So it, part of it is the house is built really well, established well, and it's also aesthetically beautiful. If you travel to Athens and you go to the Acropolis, there is a wonderful temple there called the Acropolis, right? But there is a porch, the porch of Hercules, which has six pillars around it, and the pillars are carved as maidens, and the, the pillars hold up the porch. It's all done in, in marble and so on. And still stands from these ancient days, and it's considered one of the most beautiful sculptures that, that's available anywhere. And it's these maidens holding up the porch. They are columns, you see, they're carved. <clears throat> and so maybe that's the sort of thing that is in mind here. Seven. Seven in the Old Testament was a holy number. Isaiah talks about the Spirit of God in seven characteristics. You can count them. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Seven characteristics there, just interesting, that Isaiah says will fill the the, the servant of God. As Christians, we believe that is Jesus Christ. That's how we understand that. And so here there are seven characteristics that the writer says, characteristic of this servant, spirit of the Lord, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding. Interesting, after the service, we're going to have a baby dedication. Exciting. As parents, we're going to say some things and say that we are going to take care of our child the best we can, and all those who are gathered part of that unit. So what kind of characteristics do we need? Well, spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding, spirit of counsel, spirit of might, certainly the spirit of knowledge, and hopefully the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Those are all great characteristics. So Jesus was filled with those characteristics. I mean, why, why is the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews 5, 6, and 7, considered, apart from Christianity, one of the great pieces of wisdom that anybody can look to? The Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teaching, that's what it is. Jesus was wise, very wise. And he communicates to us about God and how to know him and walk in his ways. So the spirit of wisdom, seven characteristics. It's also interesting in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, it talks about the seven spirits of God. You look that up. The seven spirits of the Lord. What is that about? So the fullness of the spirit of God, the fullness of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the fullness of Christ, wisdom, so the story begins with wisdom. The house is built wisely. We're hoping to build a new sanctuary next door. We've been working on it for a bunch of years. Hopefully, we are building it wisely. We want to build it wisely. That's where this writer's saying. And as part of the invitation, a meal is prepared. And so animals are prepared, sacrificed, prepared, just as you would cook a meal. The table is set, we're told. And then a call goes out. The maidens are sent out throughout the city, and they are to do an invitation. Send out an invitation. 
will the people come? So it's similar, if you were here last week, to the text we looked at in Isaiah 55, where there's also an invitation. Jesus tells the story in Matthew 22 of a great feast that is prepared, and people are invited to come, and many of the people won't come. They start making excuses. They say, well, I'm too busy to come. If you knew my schedule, man, you wouldn't be asking me to come to this because I am just packed. You look at my day timer. People kid me because I still use a day timer with pen and pencil. I'll pull it out. It's at the chiropractor this week. Pull it out and they look at it and it's got all kinds of high yellows and oranges marking. She says, wow, you still use one of those things? I say, yeah, it works for me. Okay, great. Nobody's using day timer going in there. They all got their phones. Beth, my wife, is high tech. She uses her phone. Pay, you, pays her bills with the phone, like it's amazing what you do. Well done. <laughs> I work with an old day timer. If you knew my schedule, man, you wouldn't be asking me to come to this goofy face of yours. Or I'm too busy with my work, I've got to take care of my farm. You that are simple, turn in here to those without sense, she says. Come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Note. Come, eat of my bread. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. So the table is set. The invitation goes out. And now will people come? And so as I said, Matthew 22, people make excuses. So will we eat? And will we come? This is the invitation. Jesus came here today, and he walked up beside me. He says, hey, you got to hold on, man. Don't fall like that so much. And he says, I'm going to hold a great feast, and I want you to come. Would you come? Would you look in your schedule? Would you make time to make sure that happens? Or do we go on our way? Will we walk in the way of insight? So that's where the writer is saying, so pan here is the wisdom of God. Pan, meaning bread, okay? Will we eat the bread of God? Will we eat the wisdom of God? So that's how it's all set up. In your day-to-day, in your week, you know what you're doing, what you're not doing. We can come to church, and then we don't give them a thought the rest of the whole week. Isn't that right? Because our lives are full, lots going on. I mean, seriously, they're full, right? You got lots of appointments, medical appointments, car appointments, get your car in, bank appointments, job appointments. Goes on and on and on and on. Throw a little entertainment in there. So will I try, in reality, to listen to God, the Holy Spirit, in my life through the week? So we all have to evaluate our own lives on that, each one of us. Will we do it or not? The wisdom of God, the scriptures, the word, the ancient wisdom, do we make it a part of ourselves or not? So we we can not not, not even turn the pages. The only scripture you may ever listen to is what we do on Sundays. You may not open it at all. So what, you know, just how are we doing? So that's the invitation. 
And so as we do that, we have two contrasting responses. And the first is the way of the scoffer. And here it is not just the one who says, no, I'm not up for it right now. The writer isn't even acknowledging, saying that one. That one, we're not dealing with that right now. He's going deeper than that. The way the scoffer is the one who makes fun. Is the one who mocks it, who ridicules it, who says, like, it's a laugh. If you're a Christian and you go to work and people know you're a Christian and they say, and they start making fun of you. Has that ever happened to you? I remember working for the Ministry of Government Services years ago when I was a university student and they, the, the people laughed. How come you, what, what, and I wasn't doing anything special. It was just me. But I wasn't swearing and everybody in the place was swearing and they said, well, why don't you swear? They asked me that. I said, well, I don't know, I don't swear. I'm only like 20 years old, right? I don't swear. Well, why not? Going on, and, and they, they thought it was funny. And I've had people say to me recently, you know, when they're at school, when they're at university, people make fun of them because they know they're Christians. Not everybody's nice, you know. Is that true or is that not true? Not everybody's great. That's part of our reality, man. So there are a lot of people who just, you know, respect you. Okay, that's your decision. That's okay. But then there are other people who are going to dig, dig at you, make fun of you. And that's the way that's noted here, the way of the scoffer, the way of the heckler, the one who heckles. You're up giving your speech or your sermon, and people are heckling. See what I mean? Whatever. You're, you're talking. You're sharing your faith a little bit. And people heckle. That's where the writer is talking about right here. Not just the one who says, okay, respectfully, oh, I don't follow that. So it's that way of the scoffer here, and that's contrasted with the way of receptivity, of listening for God's way, God's knowledge. And it comes to this verse, which is the famous verse, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, Note, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. This is a key verse in the book of Proverbs. Starts Proverbs 1, verse 7, makes the same point. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That means acknowledging God, looking to God, creature to creator. That is a wise thing to do, whatever language you give it. It's very wise in terms of Proverbs. And what is that? What does it mean? Well, it means the knowledge of the Holy One. So there's a parallelism here, the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of the Holy One. So to know God and to know about Him, those two go together. So in terms of the writer here, the fact that we're here listening to something to do with the Scriptures and we might learn something about it, that would be good. The fear of the Lord, knowledge of the Holy One, gives insight. And so we're all invited to do that. To move into relationship with God. To recognize, if nothing more today than the fact that there's a creator and we are creature and I want to live like this, open to the creator. I don't want to live like this. I want to live like this. 
And if you don't know, then you say, God, show me. Show me. In my week, in these months come, show me. If I show up, you show up. That's what I believe. If you show up, he will show up. So if you say this, God, I don't know you. I don't know anything about you, really. But I would like to. I would like to think that there is a creator that makes some sense of this crazy, stupid world. There's so much horror, so much abuse. Children right now, right, in the Ukraine, being taken from their parents and sent off to different parts of Russia. They may never see those kids again. As a power move, we'll take them and we'll indoctrinate them. They're gone. What a crazy world. That stuff happens, and not just there. Wouldn't it be nice to believe that there's a creator who somehow will make things right and just? And so even if you believe no more than that, we start with that. Show me, God, show me. Show up in my life. And I believe fully, 100%, that if you have that attitude, God will show up. He will. If you show up, he shows up. And so we start with that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Will we say yes to that reality? And the way of wisdom brings its own reward. That's what the writer is saying. Life. A way. Truth. The way of wisdom will give benefit to your life. Here, in this text, if you read it carefully, it means that he'll give you, he will give you life. He'll give you days. He will be with you. But Jesus comes along later and he talks about everlasting life, abundant life. How amazing is that? If there is eternal life for you in Christ, and you are stuck, you are doing whatever is going on, and now you, you hear that there is eternal life. That when you die, that is not the end. Life is abundant. New body, beyond cellular existence. This is a reality. Can God do that? Why not? He does everything else. If he can bring stars to birth, galaxies, more galaxies than there are people. He can do this. And he's already done it. He's shown it in Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be celebrating Good Friday, Easter Sunday. And we follow Jesus through the death barrier. How amazing. I think that's good news. That's why it's called good news. And that may just be worth a chance. <laughs> right? Pascal says, hey, what do you got to lose? I mean, like, what do you got to lose? Do you, does God exist? He says, I don't know. I think he does. But if I'm going to bet on it, I'm going to bet that he does because I like the reward part. That's Pascal, Pensez, pretty smart guy. He says, what do you got to lose? Faith in life, in abundant life. That's what we have. Will we respond to the way of wisdom? Or do we just laugh? 
scoff. So what does it mean then? Well, one, we can help each other here. I like this text from Hebrews. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds. To provoke one another to love. That's cool. How do we do that? Not bugging them, but somehow encouraging them to love more. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Maybe Priscilla, we looked at it recently. And she says, hey, how to provoke one another to love and don't, don't give up meeting together. As Christians, we are tempted not to even meet together. I can just make it my own personal thing, me and God. I don't need anybody else. We do need each other. Bonhoeffer says, when I am weak, you are strong. And when you are weak, I can be strong. We need that. We need to travel together. In our day and age, we think we don't need anybody. It's not true. So, can we help each other? I think we can. I've been helped over the years. You ever been helped? God has no grandchildren. Interesting. What does that mean? God only has sons and daughters. That's it. You have to come to God directly. Here we have a baby dedication today. We're going to have grandparents. Sherry Lynn, baby. Woo! You are a grandma. I know. I'm a granddad. How about that? Who would have believed it? Here we are, like, wow. But with God, everybody is a son or a daughter if they come. You see what I mean? We want our grandchildren to come. But finally, they got to come. See what I mean? You want your grandchildren to come. Or you want your brother or sister to come. You want your spouse to come. But finally, they have to come. Everybody has to work out their own salvation and fear. You, that's, that's the solitary piece. You see what I mean? We can help each other, but finally, you have to come. God puts it on you. Your eternal life, you see what I mean? You have to want it. I have to want it. So we all have to make our own choice. That's all really what it's saying. Sometimes we wish we could make it for others, but they have to make it themselves. Jesus is our journey of Lent. Here we have this statement. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, wise woman who built his house on a rock. These are Jesus' words. Note what he says. Everyone who hears and acts, hears and does. It's not just hearing and then going away and forgetting. The wise person, this is how he ends the whole Sermon on the Mount, is like the one who built his house on rock. Not like the one who builds his house in sand. So can we hear and then do? Whatever are the wise sources in your life, can I hear them and do them? Can I hear from Jesus and do it? And oftentimes we don't. We don't want to do it because it's something else we, want, we don't want to give up on. 
Writers in spirituality call it our compensations. We want our compensation more than we want Jesus. And so we say, well, maybe later on in my life, but not right now, because right now I want that compensation. I want that high, whatever way that high is. I want that high. I want it more than Jesus. And so maybe I'll go to Jesus later, but I want the high right now. That's a compensation. See what I mean? And we all do it at times. We all do it. Compensation can just be different. Will I hear, will I do? You see what I mean? It's, Lent is about that. Lent is about that. And then finally, what is it? It's staying on the path. Will I stay on the path? I've liked to do some hiking over the years. Hiking out on the West Coast Trail, Canada. Amazing big rainforests. If you go off the path and into the forest, you can get lost pretty quick. You really can. Go 100 yards off. Turn around. All looks the same. Where's the path? People die when they go off the path. Seriously. Send out their SOSs. Find their phone later and they've died. They, they, they've lost the path. And so the invitation for us is to stay on the path of wisdom. Stay on the path of life. And I would say, stay on the path of abundant life. What do you got to lose? Maybe you lose some of the compensations. Ah, oh, that's the trick, you see. I got to be willing to give up that, whatever that is. The way of wisdom is to stay on. Show me your ways, we're going to sing. Show me your ways. So, there we go. I pray for you. I pray that today you might hear God's voice, that you might say yes to him, and that we'll keep saying yes, and we'll keep listening. Keep listening. Keep listening. God has done so much. Just look at his crazy creation. I was looking on, the, on a creation story yesterday and talking about blue whales off the coast of Mexico. Blue whales, 100 feet long. These crazy animals. Woo! God's creation. He's created us, and he wants us to know him and love him, walk with him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's have